Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists, and this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about what's mattering to us this week. We're so happy that you're here with us. And hi, Shannon. Hello. Hi, sugar. Shall we start with some announcements, announcements, announcements? Uh-huh. Do you have one? I have a couple. Yeah. Great. I go do. ahead. I've got one, so I'll go in the middle. Oh, okay. Uh, why don't you go first, actually? Be happy to. Sure. Okay, great. All right, people. Mine's just a general announcement, and I'll make it for a while. Shannon's new record, Good To Me, is yeah. out in the world. Yeah. Just go listen to it. That's the whole announcement. Yeah. I'll post a link in the show notes uh, to this thing called Song Whip that is just sort of like a concise list of all the places that you can go listen and it's clickable. But also, all things being equal, go listen on Spotify. It helps us the most if you do that. Uh, it's weird because we don't get paid for it. It doesn't help us that way. <laughs> but the way it does help us is that when you have better Spotify numbers, other things can happen for you in a good way. That's right. So the more people listen on Spotify, better for us. Yes. We are accepting the fact that Spotify is a reality for working musicians, and we're trying to use it as a tool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing, people. Music is free. That ship has totally. sailed. If you want to support our work, you can do so by going to misfitstars.com slash support. Mm -hmm. But, like, you're not supporting our music by listening to it. But we want you to listen to it. That's why we make it, because yes. it's full of ideas and thoughts and worldviews. And like, it's also fun to listen to. We oh, want you to enjoy it. You can dance around in your underpants. Oh, totally. I've it's done that. fully I, underpants uh -huh. dancing music. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, go listen to the music. If you want to listen to the music, go support the music. If you want to support the music, they're separate things. You can make each of those determinations on yeah. your own. But check out the song whip link that Jamie puts in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like an aggregator. It'll like, you can choose your own adventure from there about where you want to listen to the album. It's so nice. It's great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Sure. What do you got? Uh, my only other announcement is that we have a Misfit Stars Zoom meetup this yes. Sunday, December 18th. Uh -huh. uh, this is for people who are active supporting members of Misfit Stars. Yeah. You probably have heard us talking about this recently because yes. we just did like a 10-day long uh, sort of campaign to get new and leveled up Misfit Stars members. Yes. Misfit Stars is just a name that, well, it's the name of this podcast. Yeah. You, know, you know that because you're listening to it right now. But it's also the name sort of of the umbrella over both me and Jamie uh, over, over all the work that we do collectively. Yeah. And it's also the name of our community that supports that work in an ongoing monthly sort of way with small dollar monthly contributions to mm -hmm. our work. <laughs> and add all those contributions together. Some are small, some are, some are not small, but like, you know, larger. Everybody kind of comes in according to their own ability to yeah. support. Everyone's finances are different. Yeah. Some people are rich yeah. and some people are not. That's right. And so you put all that together though and it makes a real impact in our lives in, in being part of what's uh, allowing us to continue doing this work. So yeah. It uh, literally is part of how we pay our bills. It is. So people who are in that community who are active supporters, uh, you're invited yes. to our Misfit Stars Zoom meetup on Sunday, December 18th. Yeah. I have already sent you an invitation via our Misfit Stars Transmissions newsletter list. Mm -hmm. So you should have gotten that. The link is in there. You can also find the link and the event in our Misfit Stars private social network. Mm -hmm. You've been invited there as well. So come join us. We're going to be uh, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time mm -hmm. and going until about 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're on the East Coast, that's 7 p.m. to about 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, do the math if you're in a different time zone. I know that there are other people in lots of different time zones, but mm -hmm. I can't do the conversion for all of you. No. So, uh, but but please do join us. Um, pop in. You don't have to come and commit to the whole two hours if, no. you, if you can't do that. If you want to stay the whole two hours, we'll be there for the whole two hours. We'll hang out with you. We would love to see, see you. Um, but also, if you can just pop in and say hi for a little while, Great. that's fine too. Great. We yeah. would love to see your face. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, Jamie Hill. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Thanks for asking, Sugar. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good today. I feel relaxed and a bit tired. Mm. Uh, it's just part of this process. So we just did a big thing. You know, we yeah. just did our 10-day live broadcast telethon extravaganza. 
it's so much work, you it's know? So, Every day, yeah. it's two to three hours of prep and then like two hours of show and then about an hour of post-show just bookkeeping and organization in and addition the to our regular output. work. Right, right, right. And the energy output is just like, I, I, I remember feeling at the end of each broadcast like I was a wet rag that had just been wrung out, yeah. you know? Uh-huh, 100%. <laughs> like there's so much fun, but also, yeah. wow. Yeah, that's exactly it. I totally hijacked your feelings. You what, did, what, yeah. I'm so sorry. No, yeah. it's okay. I was relating to your feelings. Sometimes my feelings are just about you, it turns out. No, 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 no. I was relating to your feelings. That's, that's what it was. Okay. So, uh, you know, all of that, just like, it's not unlike being on tour. There's other things that are like that in our lives sometimes too. Like there's certain things that we just have to like really marshal a lot of sustained energy for. And when they finish inevitably the day after I just feel a little bit rootless and depressed so that was me yesterday because mm -hmm. our last one was on Sunday our mm -hmm. last broadcast mm -hmm. and then yesterday was Monday and I just felt anxious and like something was missing like I mean it, it kind of created a hole in my life with mm -hmm. its absence you know mm -hmm. but I worked through it really quickly uh, mm -hmm. I had fun working on music last night I was finally able to work on music again because <laughs> nighttime is usually work on music time but mm -hmm. like that just got taken over for the last couple of weeks yeah and by the end of last night, I felt pretty good. Today, I'm feeling relaxed and a bit tired, I guess mm -hmm. is what I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm just definitely in the come down of that. Yeah. But yesterday was like the more negative aspect <laughs> of the come down. And I always experience that. Yeah. So, it, you know, it didn't particularly worry me, mm -hmm. uh, but it did suck. But today I feel better, but still a little bit low energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, hanging in, but generally speaking, feeling pretty good about things. That's How about good. you? How are you feeling? I feel, uh, I'm feeling a big relief about the that big 10 day push being over. Like yeah. I'm feeling lightness in my shoulders and like, mm. <gasps> Yeah, you know, just it was so much fun and it was it was wonderful to be able to celebrate the album with our people online every night for yeah. all 10 days. And that was so, so good. It's mm -hmm. one of those like good and exhausting exercises, you know. Um, but having that behind us, I just feel I'm feeling like a relief in my body and in my spirit. Like just okay. I can and I and I can pivot to doing, you know, other work that I've been needing to do, uh, that has been sort of like the time to work on those things has been like eaten into, yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. And, but I'm also feeling really motivated uh, about doing the work that's on my plate and um, just excited about it. I'm feeling happy. Good. I feel good. I'm, a, I'm in a good space. So, hooray. I love it. Yeah. Hey, let's fire up that good news machine. Yeah. Okay, I have a couple items. All right, what you got? Number one, uh, today, Tuesday, uh, the Respect for Marriage Act was signed into law. President Biden signed it. Uh, this was the, the the bill that passed a week or so ago, um, protecting uh, marriage equality across the nation. Yeah. So specifically was, protecting same sex marriage. Well, yeah, but uh, and also interracial marriage. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, like right, it's, it's protecting right. marriage equality for all people across the country. And the reason that Congress uh, and the and the White House figured it was time to act was because the Supreme Court decision that came down this past summer that eliminated uh, protections for abortion rights, mm -hmm. the way in which that decision was written was was a roadmap for how they wanted to roll back protections for other rights, including marriage equality. Yeah, it's and crazy. And so the fact that that this passed is a big, big deal. There's more work to be done in terms of marriage equality in our country. Yeah. Like, at the, the, this, this law... Uh, repeals the Defense of Marriage Act, which you might remember from the 90s, where um, it stated, according to the United States, you know, government, that a marriage is a is a union between a man and a woman, uh -huh. and the Oberfell decision uh, that that sort of made uh, uh, that made same sex marriage legal across the country several years ago nullified DOMA, right? In principle, but the court could reverse their decision sure. on that. So this this codifying this right, this protection for this right, is super important. It it doesn't. Um, one of the things it does, like if if a state wants to make it illegal uh, for uh, under current law because of the court's decision, a state can't make it illegal for same sex couples to get married, mm -hmm. right? But let's say the Supreme Court in 
you know, with its majority of like right wing extremist activist judges on it right now, mm -hmm. decides to repeal that right, mm -hmm. you know, the Oberfell decision. Isn't um, there a G in there somewhere? Obergefell. I don't know. Obergefell. How, Obergefell. I've never really known how to say it, so I'm just going with it. <laughs> yeah. But um, so anyway, if they decide to overturn that, um, what this new bill that was the the uh, Respect for Marriage Act that that Biden signed today, what that will do was even if it even if a state uh, says okay, the Supreme Court's you know let us know that we can we don't have to perform same sex marriages anymore. Yeah, and they outlaw Those, it in their state. They outlaw that that in their state. That state still has to because of the Respect for Marriage Act. They have to uh, uh, recognize any same-sex marriages that were performed legally in another state. Right. So you know, it, it it does help, and it does absolutely like get us, you know, some of the way there to like permanent protection of this of marriage equality, the right yeah. to marriage equality across the country. And these protections include things like spousal benefits. Oh my gosh, totally. Which is a really big deal, right? So like, imagine that you live in a super backward state. Let's just randomly say Alabama, right? Because you know that given the first possible chance, Alabama is probably going to outlaw same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. If you're like in, in a gay relationship mm -hmm. in Alabama, you can go to a place, you know, you can travel to another state mm -hmm. where uh, they perform same-sex marriages. Get you married. can get married there. And when you come back to Alabama, like your employer has to put you on your spouse's health care. Right, if that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you want. Or like if your spouse gets injured and goes to the hospital, they have to let you in to be with them. Mm -hmm. All or, the stuff that we take for granted is like heterosexual couples. Also, uh, like financial, there's financial implications, you know, yeah. in terms of like, uh, you know, if, if say uh, a, a one spouse, you know, passes away and like, you know, what they're, there like, are inheritance implications. There yes. are taxation implications. Social security implications. There's all sorts of things. Yeah. So this is a really big deal and it is very good news. And yeah. hooray for also, the Respect for Marriage Act. Also, just to keep our eye on the ball, everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, this is fine. It's sort of a stopgap. Uh, what they really should have done and what we still need to do in the future is to protect same-sex marriage in every state as a fundamental right nationwide. Absolutely. We just yeah. need to make it so that per the federal government... Marriage is marriaging. You can marry whoever the hell you want anywhere you live. Right. Yeah. So, and, and no state should be able to say anything about that. Right. But you know, we're not there yet. We celebrate the wins we get. We We've, got to. We're this taking is, the this W. Is, this is a big one. It is a really big yes. one. Yes. Okay, my second piece of good news for the good news machine. Okay. Uh, this is super cool. Uh -huh. And it was an, announced uh, officially today, although the news broke over the weekend. And I was like, ooh, science. I'm going to read all about this. So the, the news is that there was a major breakthrough in nuclear fusion. Yes, there was. Okay, and this is just, I like, I love it. So I grew up in Northern California yeah. um, and uh, very close to the Lawrence Livermore lab where this breakthrough happened, yeah. right? And so, like, growing up, I knew that they were doing cool stuff there all the time, you know, as, as I was growing up in school and, we'd, you know, our teachers would, would talk about it frequently. I think, actually, we took a tour once with one of my, Whoa. like, maybe my middle school science class or something. Super cool. Anyway, so fusion, nuclear fusion yeah. is the is the essentially how the sun creates energy. Yeah, that's okay. how stars work. That's how stars, exactly, fusion. Um, uh, nuclear reactors that, you know, that generate um, power for us now operate on something called nuclear fission. And uh -huh. so fission, this is for all the non-science people, maybe you already know this, but I'm just going to give you a brief science explanation because it's freaking cool. Yeah. So fission, which is how we get nuclear power now, is when they split an atom apart right. yeah. and whatever energy is released from, from splitting that uh, atom apart. Like freaking electrons, man. It, it, releases, it releases energy when it's split apart and that energy is harnessed yep. and turned into electricity. Yeah. Okay? Very cool. However, in fission reactions, there is dangerous uh, radioactive waste There's that is produced. Yeah. Um, it is really, you know, dangerous and hard to store sometimes. Like, they've, they've figured out these things, and we don't, we, there is nuclear power around the world that doesn't fail yeah. all the time. Yeah. We obviously hear about the ones that have failed uh -huh. in, you know, spectacularly awful ways. But I know, it, it, it sucks, because, like, when they fail, they fail in really dramatic fashion. And it's bad. But, like, what we'd never really hear about is just the slow motion fail that, say, coal-powered energy has been doing since oh, it was invented. Completely, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. killed 
um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more times people it's, it's around true. the world and sickened more and created ongoing slow rolling public it's health true. crises but because it's not like a dramatic flash bang right. like a nuclear plant right. like you know it one nuclear word. plant goes and it like tars the entire industry but you know you poison millions of people over centuries they're and it's kind of water, fine their soil and all that yeah, yeah totally okay. but the good news about yeah. fusion yeah. is that fusion is when when they attempt to or when they do more than attempt, they succeed at fusing two atoms uh -huh. together. There is also a release of energy that yeah. happens when atoms are fused together. Mm -hmm. And so what they do in nuclear fusion... Because there's like excess stuff that you don't need when you merge them together, right? And like the excess of what becomes energy? That's a simplistic way of, yeah. of yes, describing it, for sure. So... What they do in nuclear fusion is they actually, they what they've been doing is taking two hydrogen atoms, mm -hmm. which is widely available. It's The ocean is full of hydrogen, yeah. <laughs> right? So like H2O, mm. that's what, the H is hydrogen. Uh, so they, they take two hydrogen atoms and they, they put those two hydrogen atoms in a scenario where there's, uh, they, they create a reaction so that the, the two hydrogen atoms fuse together yeah. and it becomes helium usually. Mm -hmm. Like that's typically what happens. The and thing it's a question of like how many protons and how many neutrons and how many electrons. And like you can take the amount of uh, protons and neutrons and whatever the hell is in hydrogen and you can add them together and you'll have enough to make one helium atom, but, but there's, there's also a little leftover parts. There's leftover energy that gets released. Yeah. Okay, so the, the the problem, I mean, it, the, the cool thing about fusion yeah. is that there's no harmful byproducts. Right. There's an unlimited, pretty much unlimited source of the materials that you need, the hydrogen atoms to to work with. Yeah. Like it is sort of the holy grail yeah. of sustainable energy. Yes. You know. And scientists have been after this for decades to try to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. They can they they they've been able to make it work in the past, but the amount of energy that was used to actually cause the reaction to happen mm -hmm. was never uh, less than the amount of energy that was produced. Right. So what happened that they announced today was that for the first time, scientists at the Lawrence Livermore Lab in California have done a reaction where the amount of energy that was required to make the reaction happen mm -hmm. was less than the amount of energy that they produced. So it was a mm -hmm. net positive, which means that there is possibility for this to become a way that we make energy going forward. It's still a long way off in terms of uh, figuring out the the engineering around how to make this happen at scale. And also, right now, the, the, the way that they... The way that they made this reaction succeed was with freaking laser beams, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. like the the lasers themselves, um, and just like building the infrastructure to make this, like the the engineering infrastructure to make this reaction happen, still is more like more energy than you actually get. Yeah. Like, so the reaction itself is net positive, but yes. like still like all the stuff around it, they still have to work out. Um, but this is a really, th this shows though that it's possible, right? Yeah, so that's it. It shows it's possible. Hopefully what this, this announcement does is increase funding because yes. there's been just a ridiculously small amount of funding to develop this kind of technology. The kind of, this technology could could make it so that we don't have to rely on fossil fuels yeah. anymore. Yeah. It could make it so that uh, energy production is possible anywhere in the world. Like, like including a little onboard generator, like a little onboard fusion reactor inside your car. You fill up your tank with water. Right. right, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? You just feel like any kind of water you have That's access the future. to. future. And then it just does a little fusion and like rockets you down the road. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be amazing. It would be, honestly, this is possible, but like there's big, you know, there's a big lobby of the, the fossil fuel industry that doesn't want this new technology because how would they make money from this renewable energy I source? Mean, these idiots are so short-sighted. As with solar, as with any of these other next generation energy technologies, the way they make money is to invest themselves in the research for it and then own it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, that is how... Like, that's what they could have done with solar, but instead they were just like, they were super protectionist I about know. oil. And as a result, China now owns solar. Right, that's true. This, the, the, the fusion technology is so cool though because it would replace the need for solar energy too. It would, it would replace the need for wind-powered energy. It would replace the need for... 
uh, for uh, hydroelectric energy. Like all these things like that have issues. Like, you know, I know your mom like hates the windmills that are that they put up in Vermont to harvest wind yeah. power, right? They're, I, they're, I, I hate them too. They're, they're kind of ugly. Terrible, yeah. you know. But we wouldn't have to use that if, yeah. if this technology were actually developed and deployed at, at scale. And just to like sort of paint a picture for everyone about like how powerful fusion is, yeah. like think about solar power, right? You can power a bunch of stuff. You can power an entire town mm. on solar energy. Solar energy is the result of fusion happening 93 million <laughs> miles away and then being beamed through frickin' space to a panel that converts it to electricity. Through imagine our atmosphere. You, through, imagine yeah. if you could make that local. Right. Oh, imagine my. if it didn't have to happen 93 million miles away and then go through a couple of atmospheres. I know, right? Like, that's the power that it has. Totally. So the potential is huge. The question, of course, is how to make it so that the power that you invest into the thing that causes the reaction isn't more than the energy right. you get from it. Like, here's the deal, right? Like, this experiment delivered uh, 2.05 megajoules of energy to the laser's target, right? Mm -hmm. And it resulted in 3.15 megajoules of energy output. But... Also, it took 300 megajoules of energy to power the laser. Right, right, right. So, like, you know, they're kind of like... That's what I'm saying. So we got to figure that part out. We have to figure out how to make in small, localized, yes. like, fashion the thing that makes the reaction happen. What we need is investment in the technology. It, it can it. work. It just is a matter of, of our will, collective will to invest in the research to make it happen. Yeah, it's really yeah. exciting. So... That's it. I, was, I thought that was great news. And the science nerd of me was like, what? How oh, yeah. cool. It's nifty. So maybe that was like a, that was partially a good news machine and partially a let's get less dumb. because I love it. We learned a little something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't you have a second good news machine also? I've already done both of my good news machines. Oh, that was both of them? Yes. Man, I told you guys I'm tired today. <laughs> well, let's just bask in the glow of that one because it was number two. <laughs> great. So uh, this feels important. <laughs> What you got? So I've got just a really interesting post that I read on Mastodon the other day. Okay. Um, and, you know, I don't even remember who the user was. I, I saved myself a link and I tried to click on it and they had taken it down. Oh, shoot. So whatever. Uh, but here's what this person said. And I'll just read it. It's super interesting. They say, it is very odd to have lived through three distinct information environments. One, so they're describing one, two, and three, the three okay. different information environments yeah, that pretty yeah. much everyone who is listening to this has lived through, People right? who are currently alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, like, no, not Gen oh, Z. Well, sure, sure. Definitely not Gen young, Z. Young, young people, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay. So uh, information environment one, that's kind of what we started in when we were born. Okay. Everything you wonder about is difficult to know, and to learn anything with certainty, you must travel to a library and do a fair amount of work. Everyone around you is relatively uninformed, <laughs> offers incorrect guesses when discussing anything, and watches the same few hypnotic TV programs produced by General Electric. <laughs> Actual information is gold. Yeah. Don't you remember when we were kids, though? Totally. Like, if you were talking with your friend about, I wonder what, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You would all just have to guess. Or, like, go actually look something up in the library yeah. if your library had the kind of information you're looking for. If it was something yeah. like super esoteric, maybe maybe your school library wouldn't even have that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like wondering about, like, I wonder where Bruce Springsteen was born. Where would you look that up in I 1984? Mean, maybe in the encyclopedia. Maybe. Maybe. If he was even in there yet. You, yeah. You know? Who knows? But like, you didn't just have access to that when you're out on your bikes with your stupid little friends. You Definitely know what I mean? Not. You, you would just have to like have arguments about Madonna. Until until you got to microfiche. Right? <laughs> and looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, the like, microfiche? I do. And the only time any of us ever touched microfiche was like three times <laughs> to do a research project in like third grade. Oh my God. I totally used microfiche in college. Did you? I remember using it in college. Wow. I was, when I was in college, the internet was just kind of becoming a thing. Yeah. Right. Same. And I, like, I remember, I remember my science partner, my science lab partner, uh, like telling me about the World Wide Web and I'm like, what are you even talking about? You know, like, <laughs> Totally. Yeah. But like, I remember doing a research project in college and yeah. having to go do some research in the library and like that, where the source I needed was on microfiche. Man. That was the last time I used it. I mean, I probably used yeah. it in college too. Like, I don't even remember, <laughs> you know? It was really interesting. But I mean, 
For anyone who doesn't know who's listening to this, microfiche was literally just like, it was kind of like what you'd think of now as being scans yeah. of things, but then just like all put on this little teeny tiny film, micro film, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you would load a little spool of this into the reader, the viewer, I can and hear, it would blow it up. I can hear the sound of oh, yeah. fast forwarding the microfiche to my head right now. Totally. Yeah. So good. Oh, so <laughs> nifty. And you could scan forward and back. It wasn't like a motion picture. It was like static scans, mm -hmm. but on a roll mm -hmm. of film that looked like a like a film reel, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And you would like load the little reel in and like had the little holes in the side to like latch into the little like wheel grabber things. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I then know. you would just like zoom around it. And, and like you'd have to read Try to it. find what you were looking for. And you had to search for it manually, visually. Like there was no keyword searching. No. You couldn't just like do a Google search and find the Wikipedia page and then do command F and search for the word on the page that you yeah. wanted like you do now. Yep. You had to like find with a librarian's assistance what <laughs> she thought was her best guess at what might be the correct little tiny film reel, load yeah. it in this complicated machine, and then spend hours zooming through and reading all of it. Oh my gosh. It was insane. But you're right. We mostly just walked around not knowing things. Like just one having to wonder about things. Yeah. And like generally speaking, the way that like information verification worked is whoever in your little group of dumb friends riding around on your bikes together <laughs> had the most compelling theory. Oh, that dear. became the accepted explanation. <laughs> it's so dangerous, wow. You know? Yeah. It's just bad ideas passed down this tiny recursive loop from like fourth graders to third graders throughout time. I know. Oh, you know? yeah. With no mm -hmm. ability to verify it. Just, especially for stuff like sex and like how girls' bodies work and stuff. Like if you're a bunch of dumb little boys. Or boys' bodies, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. same little thing. Mm -hmm. You just get these, I mean, just outright just like lies mm -hmm. about like how all this stuff works because mm -hmm. you're told by someone who but, was told by someone who was told by someone yeah Tommy from fourth grade said so so uh -huh. you know <laughs> yeah he saw a girl's boobs once and he says <laughs> okay, he hadn't of course he was just like talking shit about seeing boobs of course because <sighs> Because Timmy from fifth grade had told him about it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Man. So that was the first first information environment. Pretty yeah. much, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I love what it says. Everyone around you is relatively uninformed. And it's really true, like, even grown-ups, right? I remember being at, like, I remember going with my parents, for, like, when they would be invited to, like, dinner at a friend's. And my sister and I would go because we were old enough to go and have dinner. I would be like 10 and she was like 7. Uh -huh. And we would just go like amuse ourselves while the grown-ups were hanging out yeah. or whatever, you know? But I remember like listening in on their conversations because I, I found grown-up conversations interesting when uh -huh. I was 10, you know, at that point. And they would do the same thing, just kind of guessing and theorizing yeah. about stuff, but like kind of yeah. sounding more important about it because they'd been to college. Totally. That's you know? so funny. So their guesses, I guess, were better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, said said more authoritatively. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Like you learn how to bullshit better as you get older. Oh, but yeah. Like that's about it, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. So that's information environment number one. Okay. Information environment two. Briefly, there is a machine in your house and maybe even your pocket that provides a decently indexed, reasonably thorough answer from an expert, essentially on any question you might wonder enough to ask. Everyone around you is temporarily gobsmacked and or extremely excited. Information is abundant and nourishing. So we've got computers, we've got smartphones, mm -hmm. and this is a brief period of well, time. Maybe not even smartphones yet. We're I right mean, on the edge of that. It mentioned here in your pocket, mm -hmm. so that's why I mentioned that. Yeah, totally. So, it was probably a Palm Pilot or something like that. Oh, a Palm Pilot was a, like a glorified calendar. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, but, but it did have... We're talking basically about Web 1.0 here. We're talking about like 1995 for the very earliest adopters through like 2006, five, somewhere in there, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, right at the bleeding edge of smartphones for sure, mm -hmm. you know, but before the thing I'm about to describe for information environment number three right. kind of came about. But no, this, So the second environment is like we've got the world's knowledge at yeah. our fingertips. Google's been around at this point for like a, a, a number of years, when, has started indexing it, you can search. Right, and when you go to look for information, it's... It's from reliable sources and yeah. experts and all that kind of stuff. And this period yeah. of time is pretty short. Yeah. Because then what happens? <laughs> so, information environment number three. There is a machine in your house and pocket, and even in places you would prefer there not be machines, <laughs> that will answer any question you have in a way that seems plausible, but is actually a carefully constructed lie that is part of either a fascist political project to destroy public intellectual life uh. or a powerful engineering project to select the most potent ads to show you. 
my gosh. Everyone around you is either trapped in a conspiracy theory or dealing with a serious anxiety disorder. Oh my gosh. Information is suspicious at best, poison at worst. Oh my gosh. And that's where we're living now, right? Right. Because like with web 2.0, like the delineation between web 1.0 and 2.0 mm. was the algorithm, mm -hmm. right? right? It was this quest for the perfect way to manipulate mm -hmm. people and the data they consume, and the it, information they consume. And initially, probably that like move toward, toward uh, the manipulation was, was money-based, sure. right? Like to be able to sell us ads more effectively yeah. so that the companies that were selling the ads could rake in yeah. gajillions to of dollars. To keep our attention longer, serve us more yes. ads in the process, the whole thing. And we have seen, uh, especially over the last handful of years, I feel like it's just like in the last few years, particularly like through the whole, through the whole like Trump era and certainly because through the pandemic. Yeah. Just like a, like an explosion in the use of that manipulatable, you know, environment mm -hmm. being used for not necessarily money means or yeah. like a, a goal for for making money, but for manipulating minds to believe, to, you know, trick people into believing stuff that's just yeah. not true. I mean, like the Steve Bannon approach of quote unquote, flood the zone with shit. That's right. That's his famous description of information warfare meaning, in a web 2.0 age, right? Meaning that like, you can make meaning that you can put so much misinformation out there right. and and you can you can put you can yourself put out just multiple contradictory points of view on the same thing right. the idea being that if you flood the zone with enough conflicting information, eventually truth becomes unknowable. Right. And people just give up. They yes. go, well, everything's fake. I can't tell what's real. Yep. Truth is unknowable. So I'm just going to go with my... Go, go with whoever manipulates my feelings the best, right, right? Right, Which makes people so susceptible to being jerked around based on their maybe fear of, you turn their economic fear from their jobs having been outsourced overseas, uh, you turn that into a fear of foreigners because your foreigners are coming to take mm. your jobs. Mexicans are taking your jobs. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. it's demonstrably not true when you look at like immigration mm -hmm. data and how it correlates with job data. But the right? manipulation works. But it works, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can just make truth unknowable for enough people that you can just lead them any way you want to lead them. Right, And right. that's where we're at right now. Crazy. It's really wild though, isn't it? It is. It was interesting to think about it with those three frames like that we yeah. kind of lived through, you know. We were just, we, 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 we live in such an amazing time if you step back and think about it. Oh we are God. on this complete hinge point for the history of humanity. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's happening in real time in our lifetimes. In an accelerating way. Yeah. Yeah. That we have lived through three completely distinct information environments. Yeah. I mean, I'm only 50 years old, you know? And really, I could be 30 years old and it would still be true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because like the first hinge point was around 1995 and the second hinge point was only like a decade later. Right. That second information environment, that was just like, we didn't even realize how good we had it in like 2002. Man, how do we get back? Right? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I wish I could offer some suggestion. I don't have one. Uh -huh. But it's interesting to think about. And I think it also uh, is just, it's informational in terms of like how we approach, you know, like just a, a reminder that like I need to be on top of my game when I'm reading stuff online. Yep. Like yep. I need, I need to do my due diligence and not, you know, part of it for me has been spending less time on the algorithmic social media sites. Yep. Frankly, like I, and it, it's better for my spirit, yep. you know, uh, when I'm not on those environment, in those environments where I, I like, I feel like I'm being manipulated. It's yeah. so weird. Like, yeah. you know, on on Instagram, for example, you know, I post stuff about my music all the time, and it's like, you know, it's it, it oftentimes feels like crickets. Yep. You know, uh, we joined Mastodon last month, a month and a half ago, or whatever, yeah. and like. I post similar stuff on Mastodon about music and just have lovely conversations with all kinds of people all over the world. It's like, oh, that's the difference between yes. an algorithmic environment and a non-algorithmic environment. Like, I like I actually get to connect with people that I want to connect with. I'm not being like manipulated or like my information's not being like squelched because this this uh, platform wants to like take my money for ad dollars to get my posts in front right. of people's eyes. You know what I mean? Like. Right. 
it's just it's just wild. So, anyways, that's super interesting. It is. Thank super, you for sharing that. Super interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So much to think about. So mm-hmm. much to think about. Totally. Uh, and you know, to your point, like for anyone who's listening to this, and you're like, I feel overwhelmed, and I don't know how to <laughs> find good information. A really simple way to think about it. I mean, first of all. Go to sources that you know, right? Mm. If it's if you're being forwarded a random blog post, that's fine. Random people can have good opinions about things. They can also have bad opinions about mm. things. It's good to try to tie your information back to a trusted source, yeah. right? And by that, I mean centrist, long, long-term established mainstream media, journalism. right? Journalism. Journalism, right? So like look Not at, even media, journalism. No, journalism. <laughs> yeah. So like if you want to go to pure journalism, look at AP and Reuters. Right. They are just wire services that report things that are happening in real time. And there's not a lot of slant happening there. There's They're no both opinion. very, very centrist, right? Yeah. Second layer out, slightly to the left or slightly to the right, is stuff like CNN, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, uh, you know. And you'll find with uh, with sources like that, their opinions stuff will be more to whatever side they're on. So the Washington Post, the opinion stuff skews left. Wall Street Journal, opinion stuff skews right for sure. But their journalism is not exactly right up the center, but one degree away. Right. It's really, really good. You know, and then, you know, I think we all know what the increasingly less trustworthy news sites are. Yeah. But if you stick to the biggies, stick to the center, you'll be at least in a better position to evaluate. The second thing is correlate multiple sources. Yes. If you read something in Washington Post, check it against a journal. If you read something in a journal, check it against a post. You got your center right, center left, correlate them with each other. Yeah. If something feels like it's pulling at your emotions, oh, that's yeah. when you should, that should be a red flag for you. Yeah. If you're having an emotional reaction to something that's allegedly news, mm-hmm. that's not right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it could be it could be that it is right. It could be that it's something that's being accurately reported, yes. but it's something that's so near and dear to your heart that it's tied up with your emotional life in that way. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But if you're reading something about like, you know, I don't know, immigration, not necessarily usually a very personally emotional issue I for mean, some people. For some people who are from from migrant families, it certainly would it be. It certainly could <laughs> yeah. be, sure, yeah. you know. But if you're reading something about the fact of immigration and it's being presented in a way that has an emotional pull on you, mm. distrust that. Right. Definitely go find a second source yeah. on the same thing. That's a really good... And correlate. That's a really good uh, suggestion. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Yeah. All right, so uh, are we good on that topic? Oh, yes. Yeah. So well, let's cruise into the Inspiration Station. I need it. Inspiration Station. I've got one and you've got two, so why don't you go first? Okay, so the first one is it's pretty it's pretty brief. And actually, it dovetails nicely with our conversation about like engaging with social media. Um, I just read uh, somebody's post on Mastodon earlier this week um, with some suggestions about how to how to contribute to a social networking environment in mm. a way that's productive and healthy and mm. good for you and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And there were several suggestions, but there was one that really kind of like stuck out to me. And I just thought this was applicable, not just in like how we communicate with each other online, but just in life in general. Mm. Like just, uh, And it was just, it was really just a lovely... Uh, a lovely thought. The person who wrote this, I, I, I messaged them back and said, thank you for sharing that. And they wrote back to say that this particular idea was credited to a, a man named Alan Jacobs, who's an academic and a literary critic. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to cite the, the appropriate person here. But Alan Jacobs says, don't participate in a conversation if I can only bring heat, not light. Mm. I just really thought that was a nice way of thinking about that. Like, don't participate, like, just keep your freaking mouth shut. Yeah, unless you actually have something to say. <laughs> and, unless you have light to bring to the conversation, yeah. not just heat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anybody any good. I, just, I, I love that. And so, like, it's a, it's a new sort of, like, uh, touchstone for me. It's really nice. Yeah. There's a three-step sort of process for evaluating whether you should participate in an online conversation that I always thought was very helpful. Mm. Uh, it's a three-step test. Mm. One, does it need to be said? Right. Two, does it need to be said right now? Right. Three, does it need to be said right now by me? Yeah. And if you can't answer yes to all three, don't post. Yeah, but that's that. what you just said is true in our, in real life relationships too. Totally. Like 100%. Yeah. How useful. Yeah. I love that. Really, really good. All right, what you got for us? I have a quote from the novelist Gustave Flaubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived in the 19th century. Okay. Uh, and he said, be regular and orderly in your life 
so that you may be violent and original in your work. Oh, okay, wait, say that again. Say that again. Okay. Be, be regular and orderly in your life so that you may be violent and original in your work. And it sounds like he's maybe speaking specifically about creative work, maybe. Yes, clearly. Or work that involves imagination or creation or- 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's really interesting. That so great? what does that mean to you? Well, I mean- it, I relate to his, to this so mm. much. Like, I, I have a lot of trouble creating in a disordered environment. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it's hard for me mm-hmm. to be in a messy house. Like, I, I can't focus on my creative work mm-hmm. when there's stuff around me that needs to be put right first. Yeah. Like, I need things to be in order. And it's almost like by ordering my physical environment of my yeah. life in my, in my home, mm-hmm. when that's ordered, it feels like my mind is clear. Mm-hmm. But stuff that is disordered feels like it pulls on me and pulls me away. But like when my mind is perfectly clear, I still do have an impulse for chaos, but then I can channel it into creativity. And make interesting things. And make interesting things. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. When I feel distracted, like even emotionally, like Mm. I find sometimes that I do really pedestrian production and mixing work. Like I'm just ticking the boxes and I'm getting things like orderly and lined up, but like the real creative stuff, I find it very hard to do when I'm being pulled in a different direction. Oh man, so like- When I was working on, when we were doing the live broadcasts, I was trying to work an hour or two each afternoon. I would try to find a little slice of time to work on some music. And every so often I would do something that I felt was pretty creative, but more often than not, I just, I felt the weight of the other stuff that we had to do. And I couldn't get free from it mentally in a way that I could pour myself unreservedly into the work I was doing. I think this is true. Like we've been talking a lot about the Good To Me album that we just put out. Yeah. And like we've talked about sort of the origin story of this album and the concept of it. It's exactly that. Like my inner life was disordered. Yeah a year ago when I needed to start thinking about writing a new album and the act of like getting my getting my shit together yeah. emotionally, spiritually yeah. is what, you know, offered me uh, like a, a the, the space in my, in my psyche, in my spirit to mm-hmm. actually create something. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, right? I totally relate to that too. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, you've got one more, right? Uh, yeah. So this is, this was, it's kind of a, it's a personal story. It's not something that I read or saw elsewhere, but I wanted to share this story with y'all. Um, a couple weeks ago, you and I uh, were making a playlist for, on Spotify for uh, like songs that, um, that have, inspired us over the years. You yeah. know? So we ended up on this one night like taking a tangent and oh, going great. like three hours and playing for each other like songs that like were meaningful to us when we were younger. Like We started at like 11 at night or so, you guys. We finished at like 3.30 in the morning. I didn't even realize what time it was. We were just, we had been literally like singing along with these songs that we were playing. It was so much fun. We had so some- we're, the way our Spotify works is that like we have one account that we both use, yeah. you know? And so the way that manifests, practically speaking, if you have two people with laptops, you can both have Spotify open like yeah. on the web page or whatever and whoever triggers off a new song his play on something like it'll come out of the other person's it'll, yeah. like whichever speaker system you're using so you can both you can just like both be clicking 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 we and like, just make a common listening experience we were like co-DJs it was really fun it we was had really so fun. much fun and um, as part of that uh, it kind of got me thinking about music from you know a long time ago and we stumbled into a couple of in excess songs, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like we, we've actually collected quite a lot of vinyl records over the years, and a lot of stuff from when we were younger that was available on vinyl. And I'm like, we don't have any in excess vinyl, and like I really wanted to get one, so I I ordered myself ourselves my. I ordered us mm-hmm. a, 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 a copy of the in excess record kick. Yeah, and. The reason this is so important to me and the reason this is so fun that I got it in the mail and I was like, oh my gosh, I got, I have this album is that the first time I ever heard that album and it was probably on vinyl, honestly. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. Uh, When I was in eighth grade and this is just kind of like a, a story you can put this under the umbrella of like the impact that sharing music with people can can have, right? Yeah. Because this is my story. When I was in eighth grade, um, I had a teacher for, uh, he, I was in his classroom for two periods every day for English and history. He was like, they called him a core teacher. So okay. he taught both of those subjects. Yeah. And so all of us who were in his class for those periods, we were in Mr. Murray's class for periods three and four every day. 
in, in middle school. And he was a, a rad teacher. Um, he was young. Um, mm. I, he had like spiky red hair. Oh. I think he had an earring, if I remember correctly. Whoa. He would wear like plaid shorts and Birkenstocks to class and like mm -hmm. just a funky, a funky guy, you know, and a great teacher. Um, one of the things that we did for that class was every single day when we walked in, we spent the first 15 minutes of class journaling. And so we were like supposed to walk in and before the bell rang, go get our journals from the, you know, side of the room they were on, bring them to our desks and be ready to journal. And most days it was just a prompt that he'd written on the chalkboard and we were supposed to, you know, respond to that journal prompt. Uh, but there were a few days where he shared music with us. Um, and like one of the days I remember he had been to... The the night before he went to a U2 concert in the Bay Area. Whoa. And he, like, it wasn't just the first 15 minutes. He spent the entire first hour of class telling us in detail about every aspect of the U2 concert. Like, uh, it was amazing, <laughs> so fun. Yeah. And we were wrapped. We were like, tell us more. Um, but, but there were a couple of times when we would come in for our journal uh, journaling time where he would play music for us. And, and and I was thinking back, like, how did he play it for us? I'm pretty sure he put on vinyl record. He had a stereo system in our classroom. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he put on a record and placed the needle at the song he wanted to play for us. And he would have us listen to the song and then journal our response to the song. And I remember clearly two separate times where he played the song uh, Guns in the Sky mm -hmm. from that album and also The Devil Inside. Mm -hmm. um, and we were supposed to journal our responses to these songs. Wow. And so for me, somebody who was pretty much, at, you know, outside of Mr. Murray's classroom, listening exclusively to Amy Grant and Tiffany. <laughs> you know, hearing in excess on the stereo in Mr. Murray's classroom was like, what is this? Yeah. You know, like, it just opened a door into a new world I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, and it was so exciting. And to this day, you know, hearing those songs puts me right back in my desk in Mr. Murray's classroom in eighth grade, um, experiencing that feeling of, oh my gosh, this is new. These possibilities are amazing. Like, just I like I can I can get back there emotionally right now in in that in that space. And mm -hmm. like what an incredible power that like sharing music has. Like when you think about that, like, you know, and I was one of hundreds of students of his, right? Like I would kill. I would kill to be able to like find Mr. Murray and like say thank you I mean, <laughs> for being the teacher. That have you, you tried to track him down? I, you know, I I don't even know where I would begin. I I, I with should the school do district. I guess I could call the school district. I mean, would they give me his information? I don't know, but like, do you know his first name? I do, Eric well, Murray. Yeah. Have you tried Facebook? I. How many Eric Murrays are there out there? You can search and I Stockton. should do. I should do a, a deeper search than I have before because it would be fun to get back in touch oh, with him. Oh, and it would mean so much to him. Right. So this is, the, this is a story about the power of teachers, mm -hmm. about the power of music, mm -hmm. and, um, and just little things like that have a bigger impact than we know. Oh, we I know? love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, there that's go. neat. There's my there's my entry for inspiration station. Thank today. you, Mr. Murray. Yes. <laughs> uh, should we finish up with a little gratitude crank up? Yeah. I, uh, this is probably super predictable because of what we've just been mm. doing over the last couple of weeks, but I am, I am wanting to express massive amounts of gratitude, uh, to our community who supports the work that we do. Yeah. I, like, um, you know, it's always true that I am grateful, but like I, uh, just having been through this last, you know, 10 day celebration of the new record and having the new record out and getting to start the process of like getting it into new people's ears and hearts, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, the, the recognition that none of it would be happening at all without the support of our community. And I'm just, uh, I'm humbled by the fact that, that, that you misfit stars have entrusted us with some of your power yeah. in the form of some of your dollars each month to keep yeah. us going. Yeah. Um, I'm humbled and I'm encouraged and I'm just so, so grateful. I love it. I share that. Yeah. Yep. Is that your gratitude item too? It's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is, uh, 
It's also apropos of our 10-day telethon. Mm. What I'm grateful for today, frankly, is a little peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was so fun to do the telethon. It was so fun yeah. to be on with our people. We developed this little core. This always happens each year. It's always a slightly different, ever-shifting core group of people. But each year, there's always a core group mm-hmm. who show up like every single night. And they're just like with us. And they're our buddies. And we just do this thing so together. Good. And it's so fun. Yeah. Uh, and oh my gosh, the energy, so mm-hmm. much energy. I don't know if anyone listening has ever tried to like be on camera for like an hour and a half straight and do it multiple nights in a row <laughs> and be engaging and interesting and be like the focal point of attention and to generate all the energy that keeps the thing going. But it's fucking hard. It's, it's really, really like, hard. I don't even know if hard's the right word. It's something that, doesn't feel hard in the moment to me, like it comes naturally, yeah. but it takes so much energy on the input side. Oh, yeah. That I always end up really, really drained. Yeah. Uh, and now just to have the luxury of just being able to sit with my thoughts and not <laughs> feel like I have to ramp up to something or try to manage my ramp down from it. Yeah. It's really good. It's good. It's really you good. You have a normal life back. It's good. <sighs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Had a great time uh, doing this album celebration. Also, having a great time not doing it. Yeah, I totally get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. You all, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, We're going to be back next week with one final uh, Misfit Stars episode of 2022. Yep. How weird is that? We're coming to the end of the year. Careening into the end of the year. We're going to have one more episode next week and then we're going to take a little break over the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll be back in 2023 with more fun for you and us. But, but, uh, but thanks for being with us this week. If you are, uh, if you are uh, listening and you are not yet a supporting member of Misfit Stars, but you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I really like and value what these two are up to in the world. I listen to the podcast every week. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I love spending time with Shannon and Jamie, mm-hmm. and I would like to help in a small way them continuing to do it. How do they do that? You go to misfitstars.com slash support. That's misfitstars.com slash support. And you just pick a little level that works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have in there all this stuff from our sort of album fundraiser thing. The gifts. The gifts. I'm going to leave them in there for a while. And so mm. you can see, you can kind of pick a level. Maybe you want to get the book and the CD. That's in at 10 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want the book or the CD. That's five bucks a month. Maybe you want one of the gorgeous t-shirts. Mm-hmm. We have these t-shirts that have the album artwork, the beautiful sort of circular visual thing that you can see in the album artwork. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, it says, be with what is. Mm-hmm. That sort of message of acceptance that really is at the core of what mm-hmm. this record's about, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's such a cute t-shirt, full color print, really nice. Uh, yeah. Next level 3600, all cotton. Beautiful garment, like really flattering on athletic and non-athletic bodies. Like just a really good shirt. I'm mm-hmm. wearing one right now. It's cute as shit. <laughs> um, you can get that for 20 bucks a month. It's really just about where you're at in your yeah. life. Uh, everyone's different. For some people, five bucks a month is a stretch. For some people, a buck a day, that's 31 bucks a month. We have a level for that. And it's just like not a big deal. You're like, I could do twice that. Whatever. It's not a big deal. I'm yeah. doing great. Mm-hmm. Pick what is good for you mm-hmm. and just start supporting the work that we do. Yeah. we uh, It's our goal, honestly, to have like everyone who loves what we do supporting it, mm-hmm. you know, in a little way. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate goal. I, I'm, I'm aiming in my mind at some distant future where we have 100% support from the people who appreciate what we do. Wouldn't that be do. awesome? You know, just everyone who values it, just being like, I'm going to just throw in a little bit with everyone else who's doing that. Yeah. And together, we're going to support you in doing this because we believe in you, yeah. Shannon and Jamie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. Uh, that's it for this week, you all. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be back next week. And until then, I would like for you to please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. I would like that too. And I just want to remind Misfit Star supporting members to join us this Sunday on our Zoom meetup. Yeah, see you then. We love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.